So I'm here uh, speaking with Rachel Hosker uh, from the University of Edinburgh. We've not seen each other in person since March 2019, uh, when the Sudanese community had a visit to the Edinburgh Library and Collections, particularly the archives. Uh, Rachel was one of the colleagues who hosted us there, and it was a brilliant visit. So thank you, Rachel, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself. Sure. Um, I'm Rachel Hosker and I'm the University Archivist and Research Collections Manager and incorporates looking after some of the, not just archives, but um, other collections with, with expert colleagues. And so the conversation we had before sort of is, is making us think in a wider sense around collections as well. It's an honour to speak with you today, Rachel. So my first question is, um, when our community met with your team back in March 2019, we had a really refreshingly honest and frank conversation exchange almost immediately through the doors about what you didn't know. And that's a pretty unique starting point for a community group uh, experiencing in a university context. It was really refreshing. It was really transparent. And it set us off on a really good footing of like a, re a reciprocity, like a, some kind of reciprocal learning relationship from the very start. So I wonder if you could just tell me about that visit and what learning your department has made since then. Sure. I, I was talking to Kirsty Stewart this morning along with two other colleagues and we, we both agreed that we'll, we will never forget that visit because it re it's resonated so many times with both of us in the work we do. Um, when you asked if you could bring the group, we were delighted, but immediately thought, well, you know, neither of us are... Sudanese, um, our culture, our heritage, our backgrounds aren't either. So, you know, what do we need to know? And it was it was very um, helpful to us for you being there and guiding us through it. But we, I mean, our starting point is looking at what do we have that would be potentially of interest to the group? What is relevant? And, you know, it's quite you know quite naively in some ways that as many cultural heritage people would you go and think what have we got in the collections that relates to Sudan and that brought up it started bringing up more questions for us because how do you define Sudan what are the borders the geographical areas the cultures what's the university's interactions with Sudan in the past and what collections and we knew that we could be entering, you know, difficult conversation territory with the community around, um, you know, colonial interests that are reflected in our collections with correspondence or diaries that were kept by yeah. business owners in the 19th and 20th centuries. Absolutely. And we, we also knew that we've got um, the Centre for uh, World Christianity um, archives and so there's missionary collections um, in there and we thought, you know, that, that, you know, religion can be quite a, a difficult area to explore as well. And so it, it raised more questions and we decided in the end, in the interest of flipping what you know to what you don't know about collections and communities and people and languages and culture, to allowing us to be open to explore and ask you questions. So have the community tell us what, what they know about the collections, about about the you know the content and the context of these things. Um, 
And, and we did have some challenge, quite challenging material out there from um, the 19th and 20th century, some of which was around protests for um, uh, uh, supporting people in Sudan during conflict. And it was from Amnesty International circulars talking about what was happening. And I remember some of the commu community talking about that period and having that quite open conversation and being able to listen to that really it was quite powerful. It's also sparked in uh, for us, us to reflect on our practice, on how we do things, um, not just with uh, Sudan community group, but across in our responsibilities about um, the care and the access to um, archives, manuscripts, rare books, musical instruments, you name it that um, from around the world that the university looks after. And yes, the university is operated in a global context for a very, very long time. Um, and with that, where, you know, again, with you can't get away from the acts, acts within empire and uh, colonialism, things were brought back and given to the university. Um, uh, you know, and we're exploring some of that more to make sure that we, we understand the context of that, Brilliant. that we talk to communities about um, what this means now. We can't sometimes change those stories, but it's part of the story and it should be known if it's, you know, a difficult story. Um, but equally, not having the, the arrogance to think that we we can just go and find out and look up and then we know all about the collections either I mean I'd, I think that 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 has been potentially a, a mistake of the past in cultural heritage in general where you know if you think about labels in in places or an entry in a catalogue that can actually skew the whole understanding and the whole history of people of places of, of things that happened so there's an it's, it's actually blown up in an awful lot of work that we'll have to do over many many years but it it's it's what it's, it's what we should try try and be doing i think and um, my next question is um so since 2018 our community have been advocating for a sudan collection to be curated and made accessible to the public uh, from the vast resources of uh, books and theses and conference reports uh, by modern Sudanese nationalists, some of whom actually studied at Edinburgh between the 1960s to 1970s, from what we can work out, um, right through to the kind of historical records you're referring to, uh, with artefacts from the colonial era, such as Scottish missionary records uh, from what's now South Sudan. Uh, and then more recently, realising the quite gruesome uh, Omdurman skulls in the Anatomical Museum, um, which are the heads of two of my compatriots, and that's from my family's hometown, Omdurman, in Sudan. Um, and those were held as trophies uh, during the British imperial period, the reconquest of Sudan, and they're still kept by Edinburgh University now. Um, so as an archivist, how can you contribute to the creation of a Sudan collection at Edinburgh? And is this a sort of partnership work? Is this sort of partnership work open to other African diasporas in Edinburgh who we saw were reflected in some of the artefacts and resources you showed us back in 2019? Um, the short answer to that is yes, um, absolutely. Because, um, I mean, one of the things that we would, 
but you know we, we've got to think about is how we do this and um, so I was having a conversation this morning with some of my colleagues who work in um doing some of the community connections and with uh, Kirsty who you've, you've met as well thinking around well um we, we could you know brainstorm and try and make things up but actually these, if we look at an experiment with looking at things, something like a loan box, which would be, you know, um, not the originals being going out with the with the community uh, with the community, but um, being able to see the originals by a visit, but also take um, copies of these things potentially. It, it can be in various forms out to explore in their safe spaces. We also talked about the community research model. Yes, where you know, what we learn from, from you isn't just a conversation, but it gets fed back into, you know, those collections and, and how we, we do those things. And we do have a lot of collections that are from different African countries, particularly because um, uh, Edinburgh and Scotland had a relationship with countries like Malawi. And there's some very interesting post-colonial collections that talk to different parts of Africa about um, you know, after gaining independence, what happened and there was conflict. And we know that a few of the collections were actually sent to Edinburgh okay. for safekeeping. Wow. So area of research there where we can learn about, you know, we could provide materials on um, inspiring Sudanese or Malawian people who came to the university to study. Um, but equally, we're going to have content and you know whether it's from like geographical area or th that we need to discuss with the community and they can help us with essentially that's fascinating does that make sense it totally does and you, know, you, re you reminded me as well that when I was a student at Edinburgh University that one of the boxes I found in just in the main library was a huge box collection of pamphlets leaflets yes. sometimes two sides of like a a5 sheet to hold political pamphlets of like 20 pages of a lot of the African liberation movements of the 1950s yeah. to 1960s. And it was stuff from, uh, it was stuff from uh, Amokar Cabral. It was stuff from uh, uh, Samora Machel of Mozambique. A really interesting, you know, it was clearly propaganda of the time. Um, yeah. but I know I'm not the only black person in Edinburgh who's really interested or human being who's interested in the African liberation movements and the kind of yeah. narrative and discourse they used. There's some fascinating stuff, but it sits in a really dusty old box in the main library, <laughs> hardly opened. And just by chance, my mum knows who collected that box because she knew that there was an academic in Edinburgh University in the 60s who was linked in Mozambique with the liberation movement. Yeah. So exactly what you said, finding that it's been kept safe in the library for so many decades and yet part of the kind of Black Lives Matter movements in 2020 I know there are resurgence in interest in in black people led black people's own liberation and there's such rich resources there in Edinburgh University Library itself um, there is. In, just in the main library that I think that would be really it'd be really really interesting to look at how many more African diaspora communities and individuals might be related to it might be interested sorry in, in yeah. getting involved in it yeah and and we I mean all of the, this you know there's this, the matter of um the kind of boring aspect of it which is having the right resource and um, because you know and, and and setting it up with the right framework so you know people knew you know this activity or knew this person and then after a generation or two that 
memory gets lost because it wasn't uh, recorded. You know, yes. you know the the yeah. recording of that or the understanding of it because you know it can can as as different research um, things become more um, important in in certain decades, then maybe you know that activity in that area, the knowledge of it wasn't there. And I want to re-explore some of that to explore the university's own relationship with um, different parts of Africa, um, how, how you know, the research that was done in the past in that area yeah. and who, who they were working with, um, and to see what's important to the community today, to take that responsibility um, seriously around, because, you know, we, we look after these things in, you know, very specialist environments to keep them safe, um, which again, it can be a barrier for people, but they're there now because they've been looked after for a long time. But if we're not um, connecting in with the communities who they're about, then we, we're really not doing our, our jobs as well as we could do. And that's, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I love the way you talk about these things with such sincerity. And I know your commitment from having worked with you before. I think for me, bringing it back to Sudan, what's really relevant from what you're saying there is, you know, Sudan since independence has had so many military coups and uh, myself having family who worked in certain governments at the time civilian governments not military um you know there are i know how uh, delicate the matter of is what's kept within the country and when people save things it outside the country to be rediscovered again by later generations and i know from my own family that our massive archives libraries resources about the whole of sudan what's now sudan state and south sudan state lots of resources get destroyed in, in during wars during military coups um and i think it's sometimes the community here we lament how much has been lost without knowing that there are knowledge in the bases like Edinburgh University and others around the world where there will be copies of a lot of this stuff, mm -hmm. even originals that are there. And I think that I'm just really glad that we have the connection we do to be able to unearth it together. Because I know that yeah. this started from me um, as a student thinking, are there any Sudanese here? <laughs> and then yeah. when, I, when I came over the 10 years of being an alumni, just using my privilege of my library card and going looking for resources in Sudan and going, hold on, there's a lot of material on very dusty shelves in the main library at, at George Square uh, by <laughs> even members of my own family who I'd forgotten had studied law here and became human rights lawyers and activists in Sudan, yeah. finding their theses and finding conferences they ran in the 80s uh, conferences and pa papers, but also just books about Sudanese nationalism, uh, Sudanese economics on a very kind of localized, almost anthropological level. Um, brilliant resources. When I showed them to my colleagues in early 2018, they looked at me like with a, a shocked face and went, this is gold. This, do you realize how hard it is to get a copy of this book in Sudan, let alone in the UK? So just those little connections, I think the fact that we... Sunni's Community of Edinburgh and yourself in University of Edinburgh, just the value of making those connections so that, you know, one of the things we're hoping is that with the Sudan collection, that we could make some kind of archive online so that the younger generations who will tend to be using the internet far more uh, frequently and more savvy than some people my age, just that they can um, access some of those materials. But absolutely, things like loan, loan boxes, I've seen that be used so well in Glasgow, for example, um, where they had collections around migration, so thematic collections, yeah. and people could yeah. borrow those to work with children. 
I think it would be incredible if we could get a yeah. Sudan loan box uh, which shares like different eras and um, that's the uh, pie in the sky dreaming yeah. <laughs> part of the I conversation. Just, it, it would be lovely we've just got to explore and see what what that involves and again I don't want to make any um, any Absolutely. assumption um, because we need to talk to you in the community and reflect back at it right okay that's not going to work neither do you you know we don't want to come across as as patronizing or like we're here to save the culture you know that that has been done too often I think in the past before I move on to my next question that's part of this Edinburgh Sudanese Community Partnership is we've taken from the start guidance from the Runnymede Trust uh, about um, which is called Finding Common Ground or Finding Common Cause. I'll have to check the name. But that's a, <laughs> gu- a guiding principles for partnerships between black communities and universities or um, uh, educational institutions, higher education institutions. And those guides, you know, has 10 principles about that. And exactly yeah. what you're describing is that reciprocity. It's about mutual learning, a commitment to kind of building up the kind of capacity of the black community alongside the universities. It's really helpful guide we've tried to use throughout the three years of building the, the, the proposal for this Edinburgh Community Partnership. Um, but that, no, that's, that's brilliant. I'll definitely follow you up on that. My last question in the time we've got is just a reflection really, and then asking for your expertise and skills. Um, so we know that Edinburgh University has been pressured by black community groups, by black students and anti-racists uh, for a number of years now, uh, particularly since 2020, but also prior to that, um, to address the colonial legacy, which you've mentioned, but also contemporary inequalities. And there's a lot of initiatives that are around trying to address this right now, uh, sometimes called decolonizing the academy, uh, sometimes about widening participation, particularly with black students, uh, sometimes about the community engagement, which is how we met initially. Um, yeah. How do you see a Sudan collection contributing to that, uh, that work? And what kind of researchers uh, do you think would be attracted to Edinburgh Sudanese Community Partnership? Oh, that's a big question to be your final one. Um, <laughs> Sorry. So, no, no. I think um, in terms of how collections could, you know, can contribute because it could be a myriad of different things that we find. It's it's a it's a has to be a genuine period of um, discovery and exploration. So we find what we've got, and then having those conversations around. Um, you know what? What are these things? What contexts do they have? What do they mean to different people? And um, there are, um, you know, um, wonderful researchers that I've been in touch with. In, for example, our Centre for African Studies, yes. um, who actively do joint partnerships with universities in um, different African countries, where we could we could share this content more easily if we start to work on it. Um, on top of that, I think, you know, there's the, the students that are coming from um, different um, places, in, including Sudan, through the MasterCard um, yes. uh, programme yeah. and, and talking to the, the programme and to the students about the collections that we've got, encouraging them to, to explore them. Um, and I think that there is also um, this, you know, this idea of, community researcher model um, I think talking to our academics in that centre and in in the university about how can we contribute to research 
Um, Because sometimes research takes a very, very particular form. Mm. But if we start to open up that um, conversation about, well, what what is the research that matters to the Sudanese community? And where did those things start to happen or or happen very kind of vibrantly in the university already? Um, That's one of the things, isn't it, about working for a large institution is trying to keep and make those connections of where activity is actually happening and bringing people together. Absolutely. And sometimes collections are very good at doing that. Um, bring being, you know, and there's, there's groups like um, we're talking to today with podcasts, which race.ed, you know, those networks, let's not underestimate what they could do to, you know, um, make those co- connections with collections, with community as well. Absolutely, absolutely, and that's really exciting. And I think, I think that's what um, I think. What I love is that we started in the student community. We started our journey with you and the team, and it's really a pleasure to return to this kind of conversation. Just because your analysis and your approach is so much, so much about kind of addressing the power imbalances and trying to share knowledge, share resources, but also tap into the knowledge that exists within the community. And yeah. often, I think sometimes in, in museums work and collections work, I know that I've, I've experienced it as a community member. When you ask people for artifacts, we can sometimes think of a very specific thing. Like what old dusty stuff have I got in my cupboard or what <laughs> object? And sometimes we forget that our stories can be artifacts. Our artwork can be artifacts. Our old school videos on cassette uh, of family in Sudan or elders, or even um, pieces of uh, kind of uh, jewelry or uh, clothing. So I've been on a journey to learn what artifacts means. And actually, when if, I, if I reflect on a really exciting experience within a collection or within a museum, it's really varied. It shows a rich cross-section of the society and activities. And I'm really, yeah, I'm just really excited to, over the next couple of years, to be alongside you and your team to, to explore that, but also to see what other things might be contributed for, for safekeeping when, when people yeah. are storing things in their, in their shed or in the kind of the, the, the top drawer of an old cupboard, when actually those things are, are such valuable learning resources. Uh, absolutely because because it's you know what we create today or experience today um is you know the archives and the the things that people can use and learn and reflect on tomorrow so actually you know um things exactly like you 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 talked about that people have things um in their houses but they have their memories as well and so you know doing oral testimonies and create you know creating what is um, relevant and understood by the community today for the next generation. It isn't just about having a nice historical record or, you know, um, learning about our, our past. It actually, the, the relevance of um, where all these things that have happened that take us to us as individuals today, you, you, you get to understanding, you know, the people in the community as well and what's important. So, so much. And I think on that note, which is a, this is a lovely conversation, we're going to stay here all day. I think that part of that, you, that when you're doing that work, and I certainly felt it, I know my colleagues did when we came through to meet you, was that part of knowing yourself that much better, but also provoking, prompting, agitating questions of very similar nature in others. So I know that Sudan Collection, as we work on this, 
it's not just going to be of interest to Sudanese people. It also would be relevant to lots of other people who want to understand and inquire and are curious about kind of global global relations, uh, colonialism, post-colonialism, uh, African cultures, religions, African religion and mixes. Um, really, really interesting. But also just at this particular time, it's exciting because there's a lot of questioning within Scottish society about who are we, where have we been and where are we going? And I think just understanding that, just the breadth and depth of Scottish involvement in Sudan, uh, with all its contradictions and complexity, um, will be of interest to a lot of other people. So it's just a really exciting journey, and I'm really glad we're, that we can kind of build back on what we were we started before. So just sure. thank you so much. Edinburgh Sudanese Community Partnership we've been trying to set up for a few years now and part of that is to look at Sudan studies to try and make a Sudan studies program but also part of it is to just create this Sudan collection which is gathering as much of the material discovering it rediscovering it reinterpreting it and making sure there's like a some accuracy in the descriptions as much as possible uh, but also a bit of some repairing work to be done like, what was it like for you to go in there? Um, I think one of the things we talked about was that growing up in Edinburgh or going to school in Edinburgh, um, you both said there'd never been anything about Scotland and Sudan. I'd never featured as part of it. So just wondered what, what was your first impression walking in and then seeing, like, imme- I didn't realise immediately we'd see the skulls there on the table. Um, so I just wonder, just think, think back to that first bit we walked up together, came up the stairs, walked in there, said hello to those guys, and there, there were the, the two uh, Shahid skulls. Um, so yeah, what was your first impression? I'd say it was definitely a shock at first. I'm glad he warned us before we walked in too, though. Um, that was good. Like he was quite kind. Yeah, that, quite that welcome. was. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad he warned us before walking in so we could just kind of mentally prepare, even though still it was still a bit of a shock. It's just to see that they're just there on the table. And it seems very like, I don't know how to describe it, but almost like it's unreal, like it's not real. Like it was, it didn't feel like it was the actual thing. Yeah. like it's just a fake one that was just there kind of thing. But I don't know if that's just us being desensitized to that kind of thing over the years. That's a good but, point. Yeah. Yeah, I was feeling the same as well. But like in our minds, we were also still thinking, oh, like this this is this is real, but still walking away from you like as if it do you know what I mean? I, you know, I can relate to that. I remember I, I felt a sense of um it was weird, it was just strange. And I, I definitely connect to that sense of, um, is this real or not? These, almost like, is it actually, are they replicas? Or are these actually yeah. real people? There are two human beings, Sudanese people. So that, but also going into that quite grand space, that was just quite different um, quite interesting. Um, did you still feel it was unreal, like when you left, when you finished it? I thought it felt, it felt a bit, it felt so unusual, like... Um, Cause it's not something you experience every day, but I just have even going into museums. I never feel like it's the real, like you never feel like it's the real thing that's in there for you. So when I saw it, I didn't think it was like 
like it could have as you said just a replica like a 3d printed version or something like they wouldn't put something so valuable out for us i can't lie as well like another part that's replaying my brain is the way one of the guys was like fiddling with the jaw like <laughs> like do you know oh, what i mean like lie. he was just trying to i don't know fix it or just make it that it's aligned and it was just in my mind i was like oh wow yeah that's what i was going the whole time yeah you know when they asked us like they 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 politely left out like gloves and some kind of hand sanitizer and stuff and, and i remember the second yeah. i saw that like i'm not gonna touch it <laughs> <laughs> just because exactly the same i was like that's 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 a real person that's that's no yeah. that's when it kind of hit me like oh no this is real because mm-hmm. that's that's a real Apart from going like, where's the rest of their body? Like, I don't know where the rest of their body is. But that that struck me quite hard. I didn't expect it to hit me quite emotionally. I was like, hold on. Why am I going to touch the guy? Like, he's not even been buried properly or given the right kind of rituals. Or I I have no idea. Um, I was a a little bit in shock in that way. And I don't know why, because I kind of knew what we were going to go and see. But the reality, yeah, reality was different. Yeah, the guy fiddling with the jaw was definitely like, don't do that. I mean, I like that they were trying to figure a way to bring it out to life. Like that would be so cool if they did that, and just to see what they would have actually looked like um, would definitely be interesting to see the outcome of that. And the fact that they were, you know, ready to jump at it and help, and you know, do something that was really lovely. Yeah. So I, I definitely appreciate that. Um, I know we had a little chat about. Um, how the possibility of it going back to Sudan and things like that. However, I did say that as I was saying that, do we really want that, especially with everything going on right now in Sudan? Mm. They probably that... wouldn't be cared for just as well. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact yeah. that these are even here right now, I'm sure in Sudan there's nothing even close to that, for sure. That's a good point. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. um, it's definitely something to think about, like... Most deaf, most definitely. Mm-hmm. I know I, I'm, I'm not sure that's the right approach either. Just go, okay, mm-hmm. you know, they must be returned to Sudan. It's not that I don't think there should be some kind of repairing, but definitely mm-hmm. me too. I'm like, I'm not sure that's the, the right solution. Um, just knowing Sudan, <laughs> like being there, just knowing how things are looked after and sometimes not too well depending on, you know, who, if it's the right hands. It could, I mean, it possibly could be, but for now it is more powerful for it to be here and for the community, community to see it here. Like that's more of a, you know, oh my gosh, like, wow. Like it's, you know, it's more shocking than it would be that if it wasn't to that. That's a really, yeah, that's, that's big. Why, why is it more, I've got my own ideas, but why, why is it more shocking that it's here? than if it's in Sudan. Why do you think that is? Even if you're not totally sure, just why? There's so much death in Sudan at the moment anyway, and there's so many, like, there's so much of that going on that having two skulls come from years ago from to Sudan, I don't think people would, like, even know how to deal with it in, like, a way. I don't know, like, maybe, um, I think it would just be quite, it would, it would be quite difficult to then deal with that as well as something else like it wouldn't even be enough of a big deal for them to talk about 
within to bring people in to come and see it and type of thing like because they're already going through enough like it's not going to be something that's going to draw them into going and see that's what I wondered too yeah 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 that there's there's so much going on it'll be difficult to then to then deal with um something else I too you know I, I wondered about that like who's it relevant to and I definitely felt similar. Like um, I thought this is actually really important. It has maybe more resonance, more meaning for us here in Scotland, in Edinburgh, um, for that very reason that you don't ever, I don't know about you, but for me, my Sudanese-ness, that part of, you know, we all have lots of different parts of our identity of being Sudanese, um, going into places like Edinburgh Uni or a museum, I already don't expect to be reflected, you know, I don't expect to see Sudanese exhibits or, uh, Sudanese art or Sudanese craft or culture, let alone Sudanese bodies. Yeah, I don't expect to see that in a museum here. So that definitely, I think that kind of that very surprising thing of finding something that connects to your your homeland or your parents' homeland. In this case, is my dad's homeland and my my family in Omdurman. I definitely see that kind of it might have more. Whereas actually, I was thinking right like they are like they asked me before we visited. I said, look, if you want to arrange rep, um, repatriation, if we can't do that through the community group, we'd have to be with the embassy. And I said to them, look, things as they are in Sudan right now, it might not be a very high priority for the embassy right now. But what we can do is lay the, lay the groundwork and see if that's something that the embassy think is important. But I imagine right now, there's just, like you said, Azza, there's so much going on. Like, not that people wouldn't care, but they'd be like, come on, guys, get your priorities right. We're suffering right now. <laughs> we, you know, people sadly they're losing their life on battlefields right now in the streets all over Sudan. Why are you coming to us with these two hundred year old things? I cut to, not two hundred, hundreds, hundred and yeah, hundred and thirty year old things. Like why are you doing that? I, I, th- I thought that might be how it sits. So I, yeah, I totally hear you. Um, Especially because I feel like we're not very used to going into such institutions. I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I feel like um, a lot of the time I don't feel like welcomed into these institutions. So when we came in and he was like, hello, shook our hand and kind of brought us in and um, showed us everything that was going on. It was it was very like, what is, what's the word? Like, um, it was very relieving. Like it felt like we were being welcomed into a space and like it wasn't like you're not there kind of just intruding on something, like you're yeah. actually being invited into something. Definitely, definitely. I, I was really refreshed by that. Definitely. That was all really interesting and I'm sure more interesting to people who are thinking of it from like a, an anatomy point of view. Um, and I was, too, I was really excited by the idea of them remodeling the, like what their faces might have looked like. That's really exciting. But there were a couple of times where he was speaking and I felt, are these just objects to you? Like, do you realize that these are our country people on the table here? And when we ask you questions like, do we know what their names were? Do we know who they were? Do we know where they were from in Sudan? Or even do we know where the rest of their bodies are? Like it was just a flat, no, no idea. Which is okay. If you don't know, it's better to say I don't know than to, than to fake it, I think. Um, but I felt weird when he spoke quite a few times. I just left there thinking, I think these are just objects to you. <laughs> I don't think you quite realize the gravity of this, but... But he was there to learn, just like we were, I think. I don't know what you thought, when maybe I was being hypersensitive. I think as well, it just could be part of his job. Like, he's probably just used to that, and that's how he is, very objective. 
you know science guy like yes i understand where you're coming from and understand what you're saying but at the same time it, it could just be that's just how he is that's how yes. he sees everything do you yeah. know what i mean Totally. But I understand where you're coming from. I, 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 I get the vibe as well. <laughs> okay. I, but no, I totally respect. I totally get what you're saying there. Like, you're going to come with your own expertise and your own perspective. Absolutely. Uh, absolutely. I know exactly what you mean because um, I felt like that as well um, with him. But I think he's used to doing this so much that um, that, like, he's not, he's, like, used to being like that. Like, there's no for us it was quite a sensitive thing because it's the first time for us to see that but he's so used to it he's very accustomed to how he just talks about things and how he deals with it so yeah. maybe that's why i totally i hear you both you guys are much more balanced than i was at the time i think respect um and yeah i think the fact that those two skulls out of over a thousand then fair enough if you're not able to go into that type of detail or maybe you just choose not to because you're like I can deal with it if I think of it as the science and the knowledge I can bring but a thousand skulls in the collection and I've got to understand all that that's a lot of knowledge and and emotional work as well as scientific knowledge work so no I hear I, I wondered whether that history was helpful um, and whether you guys had heard much of that history before or whether that was new as well that was pretty much new to me. I, I liked hearing it. I would have loved to hear more too, to be honest. Um, I like history, but I, I admit I don't dig deep into it. <laughs> Fair enough. So when I hear it, I like hearing it, but I, I don't do a lot of digging myself sometimes. I just see that a lot of history is repeating itself. And I just, I don't know, it feels a bit too much sometimes. So I don't try not to <laughs> yeah that's so honest that's so honest and and i bet that resonates with a lot of people you're not going to be alone i knew about the history a little bit because i'd read up about it a little bit i knew parts but i didn't know a lot about it i don't know like in-depth understanding of sneeze history so it'd be good to know i have books and things and i'm like i would love to know about it and i'm gonna read about it and then i don't read anything but that's my own problem. <laughs> <laughs> hey, trust me, I, I'm 41. It's only in the last four years that I've actually bothered to really actually study like my Sudanese history. So do not, do not ever do that as something like a, a, a weakness or something. That's just reality. You're living your life, aren't you? And I'm a bit of a history nerd. <laughs> so I know that I'm like <laughs> looking away <laughs> in my spare time. I'm like, hold on. You know, there's a really good music night on. No, no. I'm going to look at my book. <laughs> so I totally get that. What if there's one thing we did, uh, having done that visit, if there's one thing we did as like a next action or activity, what, what would you want that to be? Maybe we could have like a, like a sort of an event, maybe gather information, all that knowledge that you have as well could be put to use. <laughs> And you could maybe put something together and just kind of get the young people in a room with this information somehow, whether it's a presentation, whether it is like, you know, pictures, description, and just maybe kind of talk talk through it, talk about it, or just even just for them to listen, something like that. Just in a sense, to be honest, like us being here in the UK, we feel very apart, like away from Sudan, like we feel very far away. Like whether 
sometimes it's what's going on but because we're not physically there we're not fully there either we're not there with them going through the motions yes um so sometimes to maybe you know know a little bit about Sudan's past or what they've gone through can help us just connect a bit better yeah. that makes a bit more sense 